Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, Cleveland Browns fans? Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. It is a relatively slow Browns news day. Not really anything of note to pick out. There's a Super Bowl Media Week going on, which is is a pretty quiet, all things considered. I thought we'd hear more, get some more uh, highlight clips from that endeavor, but I have not really seen much to grab onto other than what I talked about just yesterday about uh, Jarvis's note to Odell. But that's how it goes. Sometimes in these offseason, uh, you know, stretches, there's not going to be a ton to talk about. And it's uh, it's on us to come up with some content to bring to you a reminder. A couple things up at the OBR. We had a roundtable uh, discussing Jarvis Landry's contract situation and um, where he's at kind of cap right now, where it's at in the future, what we think is going to happen the entire staff got involved with that, so you can check that out and get a bunch of opinions uh, on the topic and let us know your opinion as well. And then um, this show today, specifically, I'm going to talk with Jared Mueller, who used to work with us at the OBR, uh, about the topic as well. Because when we're talking wide receiver week, which we are here, it is, it's the biggest decision looming, right? Is what they're going to do with Jarvis's cap hit his final year. Um, and then we're going to talk about Richard Higgins too, because there's another, uh, air quotes there, uh, decision to be made uh, as well. And I kind of talking about both guys time in Cleveland, some memorable moments and putting into perspective how they've done here as the Browns might be heading toward a total wide receiver rebuild. So that is up, uh, the, the round table. I urge you to check that out. And before we get to our time with Jared here, we did a, Twitch show dueling mock draft were three of us, uh, which was myself, Stephen Thomas, who's uh, Brown's mock draft, as you know, and then Michael Key from the Garage Beers podcast, who has joined us at the OBR. He got with us. We did three different mo- uh, uh, mock drafts from three different podcast simulators. It's one of my favorite exercises. We're probably going to do it weekly. I like getting different perspectives on players, different draft boards, having the topic of where one website has a guy ranked versus another, seeing which mock draft comes out on top for fan vote, all that stuff. We're doing that probably leaning toward every Tuesday. So check that out. It's rewatchable on the OBR's Twitch channel. Well worth your time, uh, about an hour and 20 minutes. But we do free agents. We do, uh, before we do free agents, we do guys that we would cut, guys that we will resign from the current Brown structure, and then free agents uh, additions as well. So we all went into the draft with the same sort of setup. So it's a fun time. It's all out there. You can check it out. Urge you to do so and follow along with the Twitch, which is still getting off-season content, guys. Pretty much uh, every weekday we're, we're having something up there uh, for you to consume on your Cleveland Browns, even as as uh, as tough as it is right now to keep content fresh uh, ahead of really the, the stretches March and April where we get to the fun stuff. But we're still going to give you some content. We're always going to talk draft. That's a huge part of what we do at the OBR. So check that out now. No more wasting time. Let's get over to uh, my conversation here, which I think is a really good one with Jared Mueller where we go through uh, Jarvis, the perspective on everything, and then and the same with Richard Higgins at the end, and touch on some of the important parts of their time with Cleveland. So let's get over to that right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jared, what's happening, my friend? How are you? Man, I'm I am tired. I am uh ready for it to be not the snow, but but I'm doing good, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm good too. Echoing a lot of the things you're saying, you're saying right there. We are we are diving into a couple of players that have been around the Browns for a while, right? Um guys at the wide receiver position who have been productive uh for stretches, uh stretches of non-production, um one more than the other. Uh, but but definitely guys who have been debated a ton in the last. We were just talking about this off air, but like guys in this franchise now, it feels like we've been talking about for three or four years <laughs> in a, in the same talking points, the same talking points over and over and over again. And it starts with the decision looming at the wide receiver group. Now that Odell is gone and that ship has sailed, the um, the decision around Jarvis Landry is the one that looms because he is under contract uh, to remind everybody of what is sitting in front of them. If he plays out this year, he holds a 16.379 million cap hit. That's a 7.5 percentage of the Browns cap. If they decide to move on from him, they'll carry a 1.5 million dead cap and they'll save themselves 14.879 against the cap. So there is an incentive to saving money to moving on because even if you're looking at some of the mid-tier guys in free agency, which we're not really going to get into here, but most of those guys are projected at like an 11 to 13 million uh, annual year average, which would fit under the savings right there alone. So if you wanted to go younger, Christian Kirk or DJ Shark, or you wanted to bring in somebody like Allen Robinson, if you want to get crazy, uh, you know, those are the numbers you're looking at. So there is incentive alone in cap savings. They could also trade him, Jared, but I don't expect them to do that. I think if they were to, to let things be bygones here, they would let him move on similar to what happened with Odell to let him pick his next destination. So I will set us up this way. The situation with Odell, we did not hear, and I'm not here to talk about Odell. I'm really here to talk about the Jarvis perspective of it. We did not hear him do his usual media hits. He did not talk a ton. He talked at Thanksgiving um, where he talked at his event, his social event he does passing out. I think they pass out turkeys or something like that. Maybe that was a little later in the year, but the, the Browns media finally got some time to chat with him. But he really didn't talk about publicly the Odell fallout, the move, the decision he made. Uh, and he was not the face of the franchise kind of the way he's been in years past. And to me, it's kind of I know he was hurt for a stretch there, Jerry, but it, it said something to me about 
there's probably Jar- Jarvis is, is a, a very emotional on field player. He's pretty reserved off the field and he, she bottled up, man. So I'm just kind of curious what you thought of the whole thing. Am I overthinking it to think that Jarvis just kind of like was in shell shock about it, tried to cope with it his own way, or do you think he just let it roll off him and just played? I don't, I don't know. I, you know, the reality is, is in the mental health world, we always talk about change being something that we need to take that information as something, right? There is something there when you see a change. And with Jarvis Landry, you saw a change, meaning you didn't see him. You literally did not see him. Like you would normally see Jarvis Landry. I think it was pretty much every week since he's gotten there in 2018. Maybe you didn't see him this week or that week or, you know, the the COVID week or when he got injured. Those are all normal. Uh, but in general, I mean, he didn't miss many games anyways. You saw him every single week. And so that change is really telling. Obviously, very difficult situation for him um, with the injury. The first time he's actually missed games because of an injury, he missed a game last year uh, because of COVID. But the reality is, is there was a change there. There was something different about him. And even that short time that the media did get to him, he said he wasn't getting the ball. Like he just, you know, I wasn't getting the targets or however he said it. It wasn't in a complaining way because I don't really see Jarvis as that guy. And so it really sets up there. are There's really only one option. Well, there's two, but the option is really going to be laid out in front of Landry. Does he want to come back or does he not? If he wants to come back, they can figure out how to make the money work for both sides. If he doesn't want to come back, the Browns are not bringing him back at $16 million cap hit. Uh, when they can save 15. Now, if if they could only save three or four million by cutting him, maybe they bring him back because the cap money matters far more than his salary. So, you know, for me, I think it really is going to fall into Jarvis Landry's lap. Does he want some kind of restructured or extended contract? Does he want to finish what he started? Or was the Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield stuff, because we don't really know where Landry kind of fell with it in the team. We know based on his emotional conversation with Odell at the media day that he's still all about Odell Beckham Jr. They've been boys for a long time, but from a team perspective, does he want to try to finish the job or is he done? And I think it is going to be his choice. The Browns will pay him some money, eight, nine, seven. I have no idea what the actual number will be uh, a year. But is he done? And I think it's going to really fall on his shoulders to make that decision. So you don't think they bring him back at 16 and run it back? You don't find that to be a reality for either side? I I don't see that as an option. No, not at all. I think that this is just my opinion, and I'll let you handle it how you would handle it. I think this is what happens. I think the Browns go to him and say, hey, we love you. We want you here, but we have to look at where our cap is being spent. We're clearly in a transitional phase with the wide receiver room. You're a privy, you're, you know, you're privy to that. You you're watching it happen, but we want you here, right? We want you to guide the next group we have in here. Um, we think you have value. Uh, I don't think the value is top 16, 15 paid <laughs> wide receiver in the NFL based on what you've produced and looking at the data from other players and what you're looking at, but we want you here. We'll offer you eight, uh, 8 million, say, you know, 8 million cut you in half. I think he doesn't want to do that. I think he is going to say, if they came to him and said, hey, we'll have you back. We'll have you back at 16 if you want to be here. I I think he would consider that because I think he's smart enough to know by talking to his agent, <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't going to get that money on the market. 
I'm not going to get that money from anybody. But if the Browns say we'll pay you eight, I think he's going to say I'd rather test the market. I just do. I think he'll take that as a little bit of a slap in the face because of the time he's put in here, the culture, uh, the change that he's been a part of and, and an anchor, and a big part of, I think the whole, you know, I don't, I, I hesitate to give anybody a huge, huge right. credit there, but he's been a part of it. And um, I just, I just think the vibe I get based on the media shutter that he did and just his general vibe on the field too, as far as focus goes, he had so many mental errors, just like, I just Mm -hmm. didn't feel like his mind was in it. I think he's ready for a change. So I think if they brought him back a 16 million number and said, Hey, we'll run it back and finish your contract. He would consider it. Does that, I, I think it'd be like a 99% lock. He could surprise you and say, I'm good. I'd rather go play somewhere else. Let me walk, cut me and let me walk. The, I, I think he would consider, but I don't think, I think he'll take up the Browns come to him and say, we'll, we'll cut you down to 8 million, but we want you to be here. Uh, maybe give you some incentives. If you hit 1100 yards, we'll give you 10 million, whatever. Um, I think he's going to walk. Uh, that's just my yeah. vibe. A trade won't happen. But the general hunch I get is that people think he wants to be here more than I think he does want to be here. And if they try to cut the money, he's going to go elsewhere, in my opinion. So that's and I don't know. He might not even get very much in the market. I mean, he's 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 approaching 30. He's clearly already a limited athlete. He, he's not been as consistent catching the football as he needs to be right for a player of his limited athleticism from a comparative. I mean, I'm talking about Jarvis Landry being a limited athlete. You know, it's all relative, right? Compared to his <laughs> very peers. much so. Um, but that's just where I'm at with it. Would I like to have Jarvis back at a stomachable number? I could. Yeah, I could handle that. But I also am realistic in saying, could I go get a guy for you know five to seven million and a guy for maybe ten million, um, and and completely overhaul that position and then go draft a guy too, or draft a couple guys right? Go sign DJ Shark or Christian Kirk and then draft a couple guys. That to me is a more appealing approach than using sixteen million dollars on Jarvis Landry. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. How I would handle it, I would cut him. I wouldn't trade him, and I even think the trade market wouldn't be very good, Jared. So no, um, that that's just again. It's I appreciate so much of what Jarvis Landry has done here. I think I truly do think the Browns started to go in a different direction the minute they made that deal with Miami. Um, you know, he's never been a wildly productive player here. He's had some nice years, a couple of them, but he's never been uh, a 1400 yard receiver, but he was, he was solid at a time when the Browns just needed solid, the Corey Coleman years, the, (laughs) the, the Terrell Pryor one, like they needed a guy that they could just count to be a professional, do the job, lead the locker room. And he did those things. And I think his money, uh, which was heavily debated at the time, Jared, as you know, um, is something I'm looking back at it. I'm okay with it. So, um, that's my perspective on what the outcome will be and how I feel about Jarvis. I want to leave that, uh, that same opportunity for you here. Yeah. You know, for me, the re I think I agree with most of what you said. I think in the end, um, and this it's, it's not a secret and I've been to the, I've been to the combine pretty much every year outside of whatever COVID, I don't know, years are so blended now over the last couple, but I can tell you this, Jarvis Landry will know, his his agent will know in Indianapolis, March, I don't know, 3rd, 4th, 5th, whatever the date will be, his agent will know what the market is. He will. He will absolutely know, and he'll already have uh, pretty much a contract negotiated with somebody else if he wants to. Like, that will happen. I am confident of it. 
which tells what, but I think what we're going to find out is we're going to find out that market isn't great, right? Everything you just said about Jarvis Landry, I agree with limited athlete. He's never been the explosive guy. He's never his highest yards uh, per reception is 14. And that was in 2019 with the Browns. Um, but generally speaking, he's 11, 12, you know, the most receptions he has is 112 that year. He was 8.8 yards per reception. So he's never been explosive, but exactly what you described, he gave the Browns certainty and consistency when they had none of it. Right. And so, um, him and Baker, you know, there was, there was some quality play there, but Baker knew he could count on Jarvis Landry to get that five yards on third and four, right? There was a lot of that. And then last year it was ugly. It just was right. And so, you know, his worst season of, of his career for a variety of reasons, primarily he really is a, a quantity guy. And so he only plays in 12 games targeted 87 times last year. He played in 15 games. So three more games targeted 101 times. The year before, 16 games, 138 targets, right? And so even with all of those, 83 receptions, 72 receptions, 52 receptions, he's not uh, uh, using those those targets really efficiently. So in the end, I think it'll come down to what does the market tell him? And I think the market will tell him that the Browns offering him, and I'm just throwing this out there, some version of three years, 22 21, 23 million dollars. And obviously there's a bunch of different incentives and whatever and option years and whatever the heck it would be. I think the he might find that three years and 20 some million is much better than what he would get elsewhere. And it gives the Browns a solid number three receiver. He doesn't have to deal with Odell Beckham Jr. And I mean, if Odell Beckham Jr. was telling Von Miller to not come to Cleveland, I'm pretty sure Jarvis knew what his buddy was thinking going into last season too then I think he just kind of gets a little bit of a, a recharge and a fresh start. And if there is a, a Garrett Wilson or one of those guys, Burks, you know, in the draft, all of a sudden he's slotted well as a number three with Donovan Peoples-Jones, a rookie, him, speedy Anthony Schwartz. All of a sudden, maybe you got something there for, again, three years, 20-some million dollars. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I like it. I like it. That's an interesting route to go. I, I will. I will say we should too talk about as we're as we're evaluating some of these decisions. I mean, everybody else. I mean, there's a couple of like Ryan Switzer and Jamarcus Bradley. They could bring those guys back as practice squad players. I mean, I I don't know. It's a matter of who they like. I'm not really concerned <laughs> with it. But Richard Higgins is one that most people consider uh, a guy that they move on from. This last year's cap number was. Uh, I think one one point one or one point two. His contract value was two point three. Uh, I'm not sure if he hit some of the incentives that were laid out in there, but um, Richard Higgins is just a weird. He's a weird uh, player. I don't know what other way to say it. It's been such a weird career. He he came on so well last year to the tune of like his his third year in the NFL. Thirty nine for five seventy two has a complete step back in 2019. Four for fifty five <laughs> with Freddie. 
then sticks around another year, doesn't have an opportunity early in the year. Donovan Peoples-Jones actually playing over him, then gets a chance as Odell goes out, has his best year as a pro, averaging, I don't know, what was his yards perception? 16.2. Yeah, he he had a 599 and four touchdown season. And then this past year, again, he had 47 targets, but only 24 catches, 275, and he never felt like much a part of anything. And it's like, okay, We've gone back and forth on Rashard Higgins all these years now where it's like, okay, he's like, he's got this chemistry with Baker. He's always in the right spot, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I, I guess after last year, I would have considered him a guy who would be here for another two or three years. Just the value of the player. He can plug and play. He's got good chemistry with the quarterback. Now, everything, as we know, has sort of shifted with the quarterback. That plays an element into things here a little bit, but like, I think Higgins is gone. I just don't, I don't really see he's going to be 28 next year. It's hard to see a future there. So do you want him eating reps up? If you take a couple wide receivers in the draft, you're trying to develop Donovan Peoples Jones even more. You want Anthony Schwartz to get on the field even more. It's hard to see a path forward. Do you think there is one with Higgins? You know, I don't at all. Like you're right. He had such a weird career. I remember he was cut. I think it was Hugh Jackson year. He was cut. No one picked him up. And he came back and signed on the practice squad. And then like a week later, I called up and I think he had like seven for 85 or something in the, and you know, two weeks after getting cut kind of thing and no one claiming him, no one signing him, him coming to practice squad. I think Higgins is such a, a great example of what happens when you are so limited in that there's just really, besides route running, there's really nothing he's great at, right? So Jarvis Landry, you know, he was that, strong physical receiver Higgins doesn't have that he doesn't have the speed doesn't have the size and so it takes really unique situations for him to succeed and so you know last year no one you know he he had his best year and it still is only 37 receptions I think at this point I mean we've thought I've probably thought this the last couple years um, at this point it's just time for both to just move on uh, to see if another system or maybe something wide open where he's kind of that other slot guy. So he might not be the quick, speedy uh, kind of slot guy, but that other dependable guy someplace where they're going yeah. four wide. I just don't see a way back for a receiver who um, he's kind of got that cult hero status, that Matthew Delavadova, uh, Anderson Vera. Well, Verajal was a far more productive player. He's just kind of got that cult following where we like him, um, but it's there's never been consistent – Um, And there's got to be a reason multiple different coaches that are different and weird and all in their own ways. He went into Hugh Jackson, Freddie Kitchen, and seemingly Kevin Stefanski's doghouse. Like that's a very unique player to somehow end up in all three of those coaches kind of doghouses for whatever (laughs) it is. Like, I don't know how you pull that off. Like those are three very different kind of guys. And somehow each one of them was like, yeah, you go ahead and sit down. We're going to put anybody in, you know, Kadero Hodge was getting snaps over him at, at one point, Donovan Peoples Jones, as you talked about. So yeah, I just don't see a a way forward for him. You know, Demetric Felton is going to take those snaps before Rashard Higgins is. Yeah. The the development part there is important. They have guys they want to get better. Uh, that they've invested in. And I just think Richard, although he can be a guy who can be a depth guy, I could see where you could justify signing him back. It just has run its course. It just really has run its course. And you made a great point. It's amazing. I think <laughs> Richard was the first guy in the wide receiver room they gave that they drafted, that they gave a second contract to since some embarrassing name. I couldn't, maybe, maybe it was like a, 
like Webster Slaughter type. No, of it was post ninety nine, but it was early. Was it Northcut or something? Northcut, okay. it, Kevin it Johnson, maybe one of those guys. I think somebody put the stat out at the time. I mean, it was only a one year deal, but like right. that was the first second contract they've given to a wide receiver. So, I mean, can you if you look at Rashard Higgins' career in Cleveland, you're like, that's a pretty good outcome. He was a real contributor for two sure. teams that won some games, and it's a it, it worked out as well as it could have probably worked out. I think Rashard Higgins has some practice issues. I think that he's not uh, a guy that coaches fall in love with for his effort all the time and <laughs> attention to detail. I think that's a large part of why he spent time in the doghouse and different coaching staffs, but he did fine enough for the role he was selected. The athlete he is uh, in Cleveland. I'll another guy, not, you know, not in Jarvis's category, but like just a guy I'll remember fondly. He made a, a ton right. of, ton of nice plays. Um, he made, he made some, uh, plays that startled me. He made some some plays that, uh, you know, it's like I can't believe this guy is open with nobody around him. It's almost like he was <laughs> a receiver who was so ignored sometimes. Um, and unfortunately, I think a lot of things could have changed for him and the course of the franchise if that if that fumble doesn't happen there in the divisional mm. round into the end zone. So uh, that's the ultimate uh, ultimate. Ooh, that, what yeah, that's his there, biggest you know? memory, right? Like, unfortunately, yeah. is is that fumble, Dan, Dirty Dan hitting him in the head and. And all of that. And the other thing, just as, as you know, and just a reminder to, to our listeners, to both of our podcasts, you know, depth wide receiver needs to play special teams. He played zero snaps last year, the year before 17, the year before that 14, 12, zero. And then as, as a rookie, he, his most 25, he played 6% of special team snaps as a rookie. That is the most he's played. So, you know, when you talk about a, a fifth, sixth kind of wide receiver, you need a guy who's going to play on special teams. And that is most certainly not Hollywood Higgins. Yeah, tough to justify that roster spot if you're not going to be a very productive wide receiver. So those are your two big decisions looming, one way more important than the other as it includes maybe moving on from a guy under contract, but wanted to pay special attention to guys who have been contributors. Jarvis mm-hmm. and, and Richard have been big contributors here, and it looks like you and I are both comfortable with moving on from them as it'll be a total recharge to the wide receiver room. But also I think we did a nice job honoring uh, what they do. We should talk about Jarvis's biggest moment in Cleveland. Um, I, I would say his touchdown in the wild card. He caught that, uh, mm-hmm. caught that slant and kind of made a move and, and yep. picked that up the right the sideline. Explosive play. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Um, the catch against the Panthers and in, in Baker's rookie year was fun. That uh, Baker that amazing left. throw yeah. when he yeah when he he split the difference. Even some uh, honestly, uh, one of my favorites is uh, when he came on. Um, came in motion uh, and took the handoff on some really unique, some unique plays. I think that was during Freddie's years, you know, just some of that versatility stuff where you're like, well, he's not really explosive, but wait, he can throw the ball, right? He's yeah. left-handed and, and then he can run the ball. So there was just some of that where I can always remember just thinking. And, and even for me, it was always that third, fourth yard, right? Like that he was going to get that extra yard or two and he was going to fight. He was going to block. He had a little Heinz ward to him in the blocking. Like, for for me, Jarvis Landry, I think it's a, a perfect compliment. It was all the little things that really uh, kind of st- stand out when I think of him that really gets me like, man, it was really nice to watch someone who passionately cared about playing football in Cleveland uh, and, and really wanted it, even though he signed this huge contract pretty, you know, right out shortly after getting traded. The guy put his all into this team. Yeah. And so uh, that's really kind of my tribute to him. 
it's a little ironic that the little things are here at the end are what we're kind of pointing at as the reason he a might not want to be here and, and B might the Browns might not think it's justifiable to pay him. So, um, yeah, I would say, I would say Jarvis is, uh, another one I forgot there as we wrap here is, uh, was he the one who threw the t- two point conversion to Baker on that uh, Jets Monday night game, their first win? Yes, I believe that is acu- accurate as well. So that's the uh, that's the victory coolers, right? Or fr- yeah. victory fridges. He threw that one, then he threw a nice little reverse touchdown to Odell there in Dallas. Yep. And then uh, I'll also remember that catch he had up the seam. Like Baker was early in his first game there, and this was like again something we we're talking about off air, like peak. This is awesome. Where can this go? What's it going to be like? Baker's first game action in the NFL, and he made a great catch up the seam where Baker put it over the top of that Jets defender's head, and he almost caught it on top of the guy's head. Uh, that, was, <laughs> that was fun. There, there's some fun memories there. I'll remember Jarvis fondly. Uh, yep. And he, who knows? He could be back. They could figure it out. We could be totally off here. But it's it's proper, I think, to give him a, a shout-out in case they do move on. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and folks living listening to the Browns Wire podcast as Jake is recording for his podcast, uh what you just heard is Jake Burns loves football so much that he's talking about 3 or 4 years ago, not just oh this cool play or whatever, but like the details of that cool play and who, you know, where the ball was and all that ball placement like uh it's it's that football knowledge, Jake. I I appreciate getting to chat with you on either of our podcasts or, you know, on the OBR uh, Twitch channel and all that kind of stuff is is just your your knowledge and passion of of the game, but also you know specifically, obviously for the Browns. There's a reason I turn to you, Jared. I think your perspective is fantastic, man. Always have, uh, and we'll continue to link up for that manner precisely, right? I think you give great football insight. You do a good job for your side. So uh, big big moments for the Browns. Big decisions. Always like to get your opinion. So I appreciate your time, my friend. Absolutely appreciate you, brother. Well, thanks for joining today's episode. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this podcast. A reminder of coming things on the OBR. I will have a Donovan Peoples-Jones usage and film room tomorrow. I'm going to try to do that for uh, pretty much every week remaining. I did it for running backs. I have a lot of it for wide receivers. I'm going to really focus on two guys. That's... uh, That's Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz looking back at routes they ran, what the percentages were, success rates, how they produced, um, and and try to get a gauge for what way the Browns are using them most often to sort of gauge how they move forward, what they can get better at. That'll be for VIP subscribers uh, as well. So check that out. That'll be up tomorrow. I'll have Anthony Schwartz over the weekend. And we'll do some more things broad picturing this thing. I just I really wanted to, with wide receiver, have that discussion on Jarvis Landry. I think it's important. And uh, also include Richard Higgins, too, who I think you know, deserves some attention for the work he's done in Cleveland. And, uh, and, and I think Jared and I pretty much nailed what my opinions have been on this all along. And, and it feels like most people's opinions are on both of those guys. So I uh, appreciate Jared again for joining. Appreciate you guys for listening. We will have a fun guest tomorrow as we look at the wide receiver group as a whole. And then obviously as we get later in the week, we'll hit on the free agents you want to know about, get insights on those guys from an NFL source. And then also, obviously, with the huge decision looming at pick 13, look at the best available options, and then go through the draft, talk about the other options as well. We are just getting started talking about wide receiver, so buckle in. It's going to be a fun week. Going to have all the names you need to know by the end of this week, both in-house, in the free agency period, and in the draft. I appreciate you guys supporting this pod, the OBR website, and the Twitch. Your support is very, very appreciated, and I just want to remind everybody of that. Have a great Wednesday, and go Browns. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.